We will eventually be in Genesis 2 and 3. Uh, that's going to be a while. Uh, most of the rest of the text is, are up on the, the screen for you as we go into more of, of um, heaven. Uh, we've uh, we talked a lot, obviously, today about uh, sin. <laughs> you, uh, when you do communion, the Lord's Supper, that obviously is going to enter in. And I hope from that you, you don't leave here thinking about that you really have a good grasp on sin, but that you have a good grasp of Jesus. That's what you're really supposed to take. And I think that is another thing as you do communion. You don't focus on your sin. You focus on Jesus. You, know, that's you don't want to stay there. Uh, obviously, she, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our guilt, uh, but he also tells us that there's grace and that we can have that. So when you go to uh, the, the new heaven and the new earth, and uh, we do have, I think I told you that last week, I was going to change this. At the top, I thought it was a little catchier. It says, when you die. And it doesn't say, if you die. It says, when you die, which it makes an assumption, Right? And I don't think it takes a, an actuary or a pastor to tell you that that's going to happen, with the one exception, which is down here, when the second coming of Jesus, and we'll, we'll actually hit that in one of the verses today. So, but will we be capable of sinning when we get to the new heaven and the new earth? You know, it's an interesting question, and people answer that different ways. People, this is the way it usually goes. If we won't be able to sin, doesn't that take away our free choice? You know, we're really into free choice, and I, I'm all for it. Um, I, most of the time we make what we, we see are free choices about things. Um, so we go back to, to Adam and Eve. That's always a good thing to go back to. How did it work before sin entered the world? So Adam and Eve, they lived a life for, well, how long do you think that was? Six minutes, 8,000 years. I don't probably closer to the first one, but I don't know if I'd go to the minutes. But um, I don't know. I've always thought it was fairly quickly that they, but they did live a while without sinning, right? But the free choice there was to sin or not. We'll look at that in a minute. So we, we get a little bit from Eden to help us. But remember, we've been talking about this all the time. This is not just a return to Eden. There's aspects of it, but that's not, the new heaven and the new earth is much, much greater than Eden. Uh, as we said a couple weeks ago, Eden was a area of land, most likely on a hill or a mountain, and within Eden there was a garden. And within the garden there was a tree of life, and within the garden there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then think about now another option, another thing to think about is Satan. Uh, is he capable of not sinning at this point? And when did he fall? And that's another rabbit trail, which we will not go down today. Uh, but choice, you know, you see that in there. So that kind of sets there. So these are good questions. That's what these sermons come off of is questions people have. If you go to Revelation 21, why would we say, even ask this question? It says that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. So something's changed. New heaven, new earth, no pain, no crying. It doesn't say it overtly, but it does say it in Hebrews that 
Jesus appeared once for all at the end of the age to put away sin by a sacrifice. So no, no more sin. So the question is, does that mean we don't have free will? Or are we just going to be robots, have to do what God says? Good question. I think we have a good answer. If you go to 1 Corinthians 15, that is kind of the resurrection chapter. It talks, first part of it talks about how important the resurrection of Christ is to our faith. And then eventually it gets into what that does for us. And it talks about a little bit about what happens to us. And it says, listen, I am telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, which is a Greek and New Testament metaphor for dying. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed. Something happens. We'll be changed. That has nothing to do with diapers. We'll be changed. Well, we have to look at, and look at that. It says we will not all die. Well, what does he mean? Well, that's back to your, everybody dies except if your Jesus comes back before you die. That's the two choices. That's the only two things. And that's what he's talking about. And when he says we, it's kind of the royal we, you know, the idea that everybody who is in Christ until the end of this age. If most people will die. I, I th you know, my actuarial analysis was there have been, 103 billion people that have died, give or take a person. It's an estimate. That's a lot of people. 103 billion people have lived on this earth and died. Just under 8 billion are on the earth. So even if Jesus came back today, and I'm not necessarily expecting it, there'd still be a lot more that died than are alive, right? So there, it's, a, it's a lower percentage. But that's the only two choices. But the key here is that word incorruptible. If something's incorruptible, it can't be corrupted, right? Hence the word. <laughs> that's the change. We are changed in some way. In the twinkling of an eye, our nature changes from, well, let's look at the different natures we have. It's a glorified nature is what it says. A glorified nature, we've talked about it's a physical place, the new heaven and the new earth. We get what's called spiritual bodies, which is essentially a body that's animated, kept alive by the very Spirit of God. We start out, back to Adam and Eve, with a nature that we call innocent. You know, we say that in courts, right? You're innocent until proven guilty, right? Innocent until proven guilty. Well, they were. And they were innocent, and then they were proved guilty. That's kind of the way it worked. But what we say, and you can put it the way you want, they're innocent. They, can, they could sin, or they had the power not to sin. That was Adam and Eve's nature, innocent. They had the ability not to, and we just talked about it. Whatever time period you put on there, and just for our purposes, let's put, let's go with three years. Doesn't that sound good? Everything in the Bible is either 3, 7, or 40, or 12, right? So let's go with 3. I get my mind around that. Um, you know, three days in the tomb. We've got, uh, you know, we've got Jesus' ministries around three years. We'll go with that. So, so for that would mean, if that's true, that after the, in the third year they actually ate of the fruit, 
for three years, they were still innocent. So obviously they had the opportunity to go over that tree anytime they wanted to. And we talked about that when we talked about the, the Nakish, the, the Satan that comes and tempts them. Was this the first time he tempted them? It's the first time in there. And it's very, that you can make a very good case it was, but you can maybe it, it took a while. So they're innocent. But what happened when they ate, then they changed. Because what was, what was the punishment for eating of the fruit? You will surely die. But they didn't croak right then, did they? That's a Yiddish word, I think, croak. But, but they didn't die at that time. But they died in a sense of spiritually because they were no, one of the, the definitions of spiritual death is separation from God. That's why we call this dreaded red place over here, or the one up here, current hell or final hell, lake of fire, as eternal death. It seems to me that they probably still exist, but they're separated from God, so that's death. That's what it's talked about here. So everything changed there, and it's no longer are mankind innocent anymore. Our nature has fallen. Not innocent. We Not only do we have the chance to sin, we're going to do it, for sure. And that you can read Romans 3 through 7 if you want to get a good treaty on that. And that's where everybody comes into this world. And that's why we ask people, you know, we don't do necessarily decision calls here, but we, we've got somebody in a room. If you have questions about it, you can always go ask. We want you you follow Jesus. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God. That's what we're, that's the difference. So everybody's fallen. Read John 3. You cannot even see the kingdom of God unless you're born from above. Something has to change. See the changes? Created innocent. Sin changed. Became fallen. Change. Born again. Now you're what we would call redeemed. And if you're a believer, that's where you are now. Now you have the possibility not to sin because the Spirit is within you. You can actually do things that honor God through faith, which is kind of cool. And I realize that this is not the goal, but we still fall short. If we didn't, we wouldn't need to take this stuff anyway, would we? We wouldn't even have to think about it. But back to 1 Corinthians 15, in the twinkling of an eye, at the second coming, you will all be changed. So redeemed goes to glorified. And then we become different. Not like Adam and Eve, not just innocent, although you are. <laughs> But really, you're not. Have you ever thought about that? Technically, you're not innocent. You're treated as being blameless, right? It's a difference. Again, I don't know if you knew that, but Romans is pretty good if you want to read through that. There's your assignment. Yeah, I knew you wanted one. <laughs> Actually, start at 1, and don't quit at 7. Go to through 8. And uh, I Don't do 9 today. We'll do that next week. Um, but for one through Romans 1 through 8, if you can just get a rudimentary understanding of that, it's obviously very good on all this thing. So, so this uh, is not forced on us. We do it willingly to follow Christ. So we're free to choose, but we will not want to sin. It's like the holy angels. You know, you think about that. 
You can't become a flower or a rabbit, but that doesn't take away your free will, does it? It's within your nature. Can you think of anybody right now in the, in the universe that nature is, is such that they can't sin? We just sang about him. Yahweh. He can't sin, which is a good thing. Can do no evil. That's what will become like the angels, it says. We will be changed, glorified. That answers it. So you're free to do whatever you want, but you won't want. And, and, and then you do tell me, is that bad? Is that a bad thing? And even in current heaven, that's the way it is. That, that has gone. Now you, you freely do whatever you want within the new nature you have. No sin. I think this is a good thing. Hope that makes sense. So it won't be boring. You know, if, if we got there, we'll, we'll, this is a heaven 17. Have <laughs> we figured out that heaven won't be boring yet? Those of you who are falling asleep. But will we, be, will we be tempted when we're there? Well, we don't have a fallen nature. And there's no evil forces. So no, you won't be tempted to sin. Your temptations will all be good. It's like we tell kids. It's like, you know, peer pressure is wonderful. Just make sure your peers are the ones that want to honor Christ. You know, influence. So the key is the type of human creature we will be because sin is not essential to humanity. We think it kind of is. So if you're human, you know, sin, no. Go back to Adam and Eve. Was that the way they were created? Sin is an aberration. Death isn't even natural to humanity. It didn't enter into human life until they sinned. So I hope that helped. That's been a, that's a, a very quick overview of how you look at the way the biblical worldview shows human nature. Started innocent, became fallen, by grace can be redeemed, and all those redeemed will be glorified. All those who are in the red section of your uh, program, <laughs> never get to even step three, let alone step four, and live a life alienated from God. So what will we know and learn? That's another question, people. Well, you know, what we, this is what I usually get is, what are we going to do up there? And I like the up there. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Eventually, you know, up there comes down here. <laughs> but, well, this is where we have a little trouble because you think about, are we going to know everything? When, when you, and this is the verse we get. This is 1 Corinthians 13. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. So people use that and say, oh, you'll have all knowledge. You know, that, that's not what that's saying. Um, the same word that we translate there, no fully, it's no fully what? That's the idea. It's used in Luke 1 where he says that you may have certainty concerning the things. You, it's now you'll be certain. Paul said it this way, now we walk by faith, then we will walk by sight. You'll see it. This is rhetorical. You're, if you're kind of charismatic, you can surely raise your hand if you want. But how many people believe that Jesus is real? 
that he really is who he is. And I do. How many people have seen him, walked with him, touched his hand, ate with him? Yeah, much lower percentage, right? Well, why do you believe he's real? Because you trust. Something about the evidence that's in the Bible, something about the spirit that touches our hearts. Those two combine somehow, and we, we understand. And people, I can give you all the evidence I want, but really, my best evidence for Jesus being real is that I just know he is. There's something in us. But I can give you evidence, too, when we do that. He's real. But when we're in heaven, is anybody going to say, well, I wonder if Jesus is real? You can just say, well, walk over and touch him. Don't be weird, but, you know, ask if he would like to be touched. But you see the difference. It's, it's, that's the idea. We will know with certainty, 100% certainty. Even though I think if I, I look around here and I'm lo- I saw a number of you would say, I am 100% certain. As sure as I can be. But then, it, then we'll, if there's you know, 0.001% chance, you're, ah, that's gone. That's the difference. So we're going to learn. We're going to know things. Like God, we, we won't be able to sin. That's one of the attributes. But Unlike God, we will not be omniscient. Right? You're not going to know everything. You couldn't do it if you tried. You think about God right now. Whoops, we lost that moment. eh. It's hard to stay in time, isn't it? You think of God God right now. He knows everything that's happened. He knows all of your hearts here. He knows all the other hearts of almost 8 billion people. He knows what's going on in the 103 billion people that are either in hell or in heaven. And he knows every possible decision you might make in the next eternity. And we think we're going to know that? Good luck. You're never going to know all that. You don't have the capacity. And thank God, because you've probably seen Bruce Almighty. Remember the sticky note scene? And that was just half a buffalo. Again, we're, we're going, this isn't a flaw in us, it's who we are and who we will be. You know, Peter says that in these things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long, even angels don't know it all. They're not omniscient, they're not God, there's only one. So you're going to keep learning. And you may be thinking, I'm not talking that you have to sit there with a book. That's not the point, although I kind of think that would be fun. But you're going to learn, experience things, you know. That's the thing. You're going to continue. It's never going to stop. In the new heaven and earth, we'll learn more and more about God and each other. That Those relationships never can be exhausted. Get that in your head. It'll go on for eternity never exhausted and wonderful. This is what we have before us. No sin. Hard to, hard to imagine, isn't it? We've not been there. We're not, we've never lived in a world where there's no evil, where there's no temptation, where there's no death. That's, it's, it, we can imagine it, but we've never experienced it. And even... What about this? Christ is the creator of everything. Yahweh, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, creator of everything. Is it possible they keep creating? 
Maybe. Maybe they'll make creatures we don't even have yet. I don't know. That'll be kind of neat to experience. So what will we learn? Well, we'll presumably extend what we already know. You know, we each develop our gifts here, our gifts that we have, the God-given gifts to do to know more, to do better, experience more, that will probably continue. The way I've always heard it told, this is from Randy Elkhorn's book, think about the things that you like to do the most. If you could do anything you wanted today within the freedom that you have, with whoever you wanted, what would you do? You know, it'd be different for people, wouldn't it? You know, some people, you know, might like to go out to dinner and eat eggplant. Well, I wouldn't want to do that. But I won't want to, you know, keep the eggplant away from you. Whatever it is you like to do, that's just a pinprick of what you'll get to do in the new heaven and the new earth. So whether it's reading, studying, working, it's all for the our enjoyment and God's glory. It's 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 as you think about this more, you think about the future that you have, I think it does help our present. Don't think about, oh my gosh, this is so bad because that's so good. I think it's better to think about what God has given us and what are we supposed to do? Store up for ourselves treasures where? In heaven. It's kind of a way of Jesus saying, do those things and treat people in ways and have experiences in this life that can carry over into the next life. That's the treasure. You know, I assume the greatest Christian painters of the world are probably still painting. The greatest Christian musicians will, will have, and I don't mean just Christian, there's some really good music out there that's not necessarily Christian, right? I mean, like the 80s music, right? I mean, just, you know, if it's not dishonoring to God, it's something that could be there. Think about going to watch a, a performance of a, you know, you go to Orpheum or you go to somewhere and watch a play and they do so good and it's wonderful and it's fun to watch. Think what that would be like in heaven. There might even be new ones, you know. I, that's, you know, imagine who you could work with or study with. You, know, you could sit down with C.S. Lewis and talk to him. Or maybe the Apostle Paul. Probably have to get on his appointment book. But, but you know, those things are possible. You know, don't, we're all there together doing those things, experiencing the things that the earth will give us and maybe even the universe. So, so what about our daily lives in the new earth and the heaven? What, what's, that, what's it going to be like? Are we going to just be up all the time? Is there going to be rest? Are we going to sleep? Are we going to get fatigued? This verse you got to be a little careful with because I think rest here, but it says, and I heard a voice from heaven, this is in Revelation 14, saying, Write, the, the blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their, and their deeds follow them. Ooh, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Their deeds, what deeds follow you? The ones that honor Christ. They get to follow you. But rest, you know, do you, it's an interesting one to think, you know. We talked about that last week. Is night bad in heaven? Is night bad now? 
You know, I've never, I don't know if I've ever had a campfire in the daytime. I mean, are you telling me in heaven there's no s'mores? I mean, th- again, it's not that night is bad. That's, you know, it's a metaphor for darkness sometimes and, and evil. But sleep might be okay. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I'm sure we'll be fine with it. Because, I mean, I don't know about you, but there are times in life when you've worked well and you've done what God wants that day as best you could, and you lay down in bed and you go to sleep, and it's kind of it's nice, isn't it? So maybe, maybe we'll do that. I don't know. It's possible there could be rest. I think there'll be fatigue. That, that's just part of who we are. And then what about work? I don't know if you knew that, but uh, work is a four-letter word. But if you go to Genesis 2, uh, it says that the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. So does this is before the fall. So does it look like work is bad here? Looks like it's good. And again, it's the same thing. It's like I, I think I said that before. You know, we all have talents. We all have gifts. I don't know if there's a gift of cleaning the toilets. That's not the work I think they're talking about here. I don't think. It's the work that honors. The work. Think about it. When you do something in your life and work hard at it, and you're good at it, no matter how hard it is, how that gives you passion. You know, I was watching that uh, Netflix uh, documentary on the uh, golfers. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. If anybody knows, shot it out. But uh, but it, it goes kind of behind the scenes. And they were, they were doing uh, Matt Fitzpatrick, who's from England, uh, looks like he's 12, uh, but he's not. Uh, but uh, full swing, that was it, if you want to look at that. Really well done, I think. Uh, you've got, they had uh, Scotty Scheffler in there. They show him, and he's got his Bible open, and he's saying, oh, I start with the Word every morning. <laughs> that was kind of cool to see, and they put that right in there. That was neat. But, but they, he, they showed how hard this guy worked to be a good golfer. But it didn't look like he was mad about it. He didn't get done of eight hours of swing training and Train and all in 10 hours of doing all this stuff, and then come back. Well, oh, I just hate this. It, it, he had passion for it, and that's the same thing. What, what gives you passion? One of the things that's nice in America is sometimes we get to do that even here. Sometimes we get to do. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to ha- kind of have two careers, you know. I kind of I know it's geeky, but I kind of like math, um, and I enjoyed being an actuary, but, and I kind of like the Bible and, and Jesus, and I kind of enjoy that too. Um, but uh, I also changed the light bulb in the bathroom this morning, so, uh, and did not burn it up, but we uh, film at 11 maybe. I, I think it's good. But again, you, 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 there's things, and I look around, you know, sometimes we work in things that aren't, and every job has its times when it's not as fun, but no, not so in the new heaven and the new earth. Everything that you can do is what you can be passionate about. And if you go later in Genesis into chapter 3, after the fall, and go to verse 17 of chapter 3, 
because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat in all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, sweat of your brow, and you will turn to the ground and dust you will become. So that's the, that's the curse. That goes away. Work is not bad in its original form. So, and when we have homes, you ever think about that? I think if we understand John 14, 2 correctly, this is the NLT version, which I kind of like. Just as Jesus saying, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you. So yeah, I think we'll have homes. In fact, maybe we'll have homes, maybe we'll build them ourselves. I do not want a home I build. I will contract that out. That's, that's just something to think about. I'm not good at that. I know, measure twice, cut once, doesn't matter. Still comes up short. But I can do differential calculus like it's nothing. But I've noticed you don't need differential calculus to cut boards. I'll find somebody else to do it. But I think we will have homes. It says in Isaiah 65, which is about this, they shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. I, think, I don't think that's just metaphoric. I think we'll get to do that. And we're going to end with this. This is kind of an interesting thing. There's just a little bit of background here in the next couple minutes. It says in, in John 12 that six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, which is just right outside of Jerusalem on the other side of the Garden of Gethsemane, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead, a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. This is one of the pictures of Jesus' life that I've always really, really liked. If you piece this together, this was probably the place that Jesus stayed when he was in Jerusalem. He's kind of like me, cheapskate. You know, you go to these cities where you know somebody, and then you don't have to get a hotel. That's what, but it, can you think about that? Lazarus, Mary and Martha, their house, and if you piece this together with Matthew and Luke, more than likely, their dad is Simon the leper. Which we probably should quit calling him that. Because he was healed. And this was a place where they opened their home to Jesus and his trusted apostles. And they would come in and eat with them. And we see this. And I think maybe that's the way it'll be in the new heaven and the new earth. We'll have homes so we can invite people in. Can you imagine that? Having those five people come in? Jesus, Lazarus, Simon, Mary, Martha. I'm sure Jesus really enjoyed that. And it gives a little bit more of zip when you read John 11 and find out why at the tomb of Lazarus, Jesus wept. This was somebody he knew really well. This is somebody he cared about a lot. So when you think about that, think about the things that are prepared for you. Greater than we can imagine, but it doesn't mean we can't imagine some of it. There'll be no sin, and you will be changed. A new creature, a new creation that can honor God in all that you do and live in eternity with the one who created you. Let us pray.
Father, such a wonderful, wonderful thing to think about this new heaven, new earth, where there'll be no sin. We know in this life we have tribulation. You told us that. We know in this life sometimes we fall short. We know in our current state, if we're a redeemed person, a Christian that follows you, that sometimes we fall short and evil gets into our lives even when we don't. We thank you for a place that will have that no more, a new heaven and a new earth with no sin, no pain, no crying, but everlasting life. Amen.